0: you an all-star, get your game on, go play, hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid, and all, all that what is go on. only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast, this is Barnsley, back again for Round 7 Supercoach TLT episode, this week will be a big one we've got a lot of storylines a lot of things happening and it's also a week that I'm feeling pretty sick everyone so I'm going to apologize in advance I've been sick for probably the past week and the last day or two it's been a little bit better but uh just going to be a quick podcast tonight so probably half the time that they normally are but it's going to be a solo one too so I'm going to go through it real quick we are going to get stuck straight into this one Round seven TLT, first of all, let's talk about round six. So round six, the good, the bad, the ugly, Clint Eastwood segment, let's just get straight into that. For my team, uh, the good was definitely getting big Greg Marju in. I have to say he was outstanding with 92 points. I think probably a testament to how good he's going is the fact that a lot of people were disappointed with his 92 points and that probably tells you how good he's been going because if Big Greg scores two tries, people are expecting tons for sure. And he didn't quite get there. Uh, I think part of that was because his work rate was down a little bit. He didn't have the tackle breaks of the runs that he normally does, but he's consistently scoring tries. He's now scored four tries in his first three games. So certainly buying him was warranted uh, and certainly as well. This week, he's got a great matchup against the, the New Zealand Warriors, which I'm looking forward to. But I have to say, one of the things that I was really happy about that was really good for my week was he still only went up to 20% ownership. Now, 20% ownership is obviously fairly high, but not as high as what it could have been based on how well he's been going. 115,000 he made this week, scored the 92 points. Happy days. Uh, then it got a bit worse when I had Cleary as the VC. Got to be honest here. I thought that he was going to do a good a, a good score. I didn't think it was going to be 158 points, which was massive, but I had the VC on him ready to go because just in case, I had a friend over who I hadn't seen for six months and I had to loop directly after that Penrith game in order to be able to affect the loop and I missed out on it. So everybody has their errors and the things that they stuff up. My one was I didn't quite get in time to loop Cleary and that really cost me because 158 times two was a hell of a lot better than 76 times two. So tough round for me. That was bad missing out on that one. The ugly, we've got to talk about the center wings again. Oh, Canter Pereira. I've played him now for a six-point game and a 16-point game. I know everybody can feel the pain because it's pretty hard when you guys that can throw up 118 points and you miss out on that. You're really chasing... I did think against the Dragons he would have gone a lot better, but wasn't to be. going to stick to my plans after this week. The clean Eastwood segment has made me realise that I really need to stick to getting rid of my centre wings that aren't any good so I can just play the ones that I know are going to score well and consistently, like big Greg Marju. So as far as the round goes, having a look at the scores, we actually had more tons than what we've had in any round so far this year. And it's a few weeks in a row where that's actually happened. Pretty much the scoring's gone back to how it should be. And we spoke about it with pretty much all the guests in the first month of footy, how the scoring was a bit down, how the the key players and the big guns of Supercoach weren't particularly firing. And that maybe after the first month of footy when things kind of settled down, you'll start to see them come to the fray and be at the top of their game. That's exactly what we're seeing. We ended up with 14 scores that were 100-plus, but more importantly, definitely the first time ever that we ended up with six scores, 120-plus. Dylan Edwards, 163 points, 3.2% ownership. Absolute maniac on the weekends, scored four tries, and now he's looking fantastic coming up against Newcastle Knights. Obvious problem is can't really get him in because he's fullback only. But, you know, for those brave souls, 3% own, owned at the moment... They've done really well because 163 points is huge. He now has a break-even that's pretty small at nine, uh, and that 163 is obviously going to stick them there for a couple of weeks. And they draw Newcastle this week, then South's a bit harder, but then they've got the Tigers and the Warriors. So the next month of football for Dylan is actually really good. Can he score four tries a week? I don't think so, but he has just gone up 85,000. So anybody that did bite the bullet and say, you know what, with someone like Teddy out, I'm going to get a Dylan Edwards in and pot up, That's why sometimes you've got to go with your gut because sometimes it really works out. It did with Dylan Edwards. Nathan Cleary's teammate was number two at 158 points, as we said. And I tell you what, if you sold Nathan Cleary, you'd be absolutely kicking yourself at the moment. Three round average of 120 points since he had the round three buy. More importantly, the last two games against poor opposition, 124 points, 158 points. He does have, Obviously the same draw that we just said with Dylan Edwards. So three out of his next four, absolutely huge games for him where he could turn up for sure. So clearly back to the top of his game. rest of the the big scores, 146 points to Latrell Mitchell. I said last week on the podcast, he was one of my favorite comeback candidates for this week. A really good VC option. Smoky for a captaincy. 146 points. Did not disappoint if three tries himself. Uh, Campbell Graham. Another favourite for Barzy, and I can never afford to get him in. Aside from Big Greg, I was looking at Valentine Holmes and also Campbell Graham, and I went from Marju being the cost-effective option, but Campbell Graham was absolutely outstanding on the weekend, and I think he's actually going to continue the form that we just saw, but on the weekend, he hit all those clutch attack stats uh, that are sometimes few and far between with him because he's got the really good base, but He's now over 700,000 and he's also a guy that isn't going to get high ownership. So at the moment in 5% of teams, he's an immense pod. Do we get another 145 points this week? Doubtful, but I reckon that he could be in the top 10 best scorers again when we talk about this segment next week because he's on fire at the moment with a good matchup. Uh, Other big scores, Cody Walker, his teammate, 132 points, really rounding into form again. And the hammer. 120, rounding out our 620 plus scores. I tell you what, the Hammer is the one that either got away from people or they jumped on and then they sold too early. Combination of both, perhaps. But, yeah, he is against South Sydney this week, but his break-even has gone right down. He's now down to a break-even of nine again. He's going to make an influx of cash once again. Could even make an extra 100K. So certainly those teams that stuck strong and played him uh, would have gone fantastic on the weekend because even though he's only 43% owned now because he's dropped about 15% in all the cells, only half of that 23%, I reckon, would have played him. And then you're looking at, uh, you know, probably a small amount of those being in the top sort of 10,000. So it, it was actually a pretty astute play and it worked out really well. All the big guns, though, in the 100 pluses, we've also got Cameron Murray, Brian Toto, rounding out those top 10 scores, both of them turning up. And really, you've got half of those top 10 scores now that are out-and-out out guns that are pretty highly owned or sought after players, and we're actually seeing that for the first time in the last couple of weeks, that all those guys are really coming to the forefront and scoring big time. So if you've gutted your team of these guns, you know this is the reason why you don't do it. Guys like Cleary, uh, even guys like Luttrell that have been sold heavily, guys like uh, Teddy that are getting sold even more still now, even though he's coming back from the buy, all these guys, and we're going to talk about another one being Turbo a bit later in the pod. They're big guns for a reason. They're elite for a reason. You need to hold on to them because they're going to go on these runs and have these humongous scores. Let's have a look at the trade market. So when we have a look at the trade market this week, the traded in and out, the out, pretty interesting at the top. Uh, I'm gonna say outright there's a lot of these ones that make a lot of sense. Jermaine Hopgood, 10% out. Now, look, I was keen to hold him for a week last week, uh, mainly because he didn't have a huge break even. You weren't really going to get penalised too much, uh, and you could get to see whether he's going to hit any clutch attack against the Tigers. As it stood, he ended up playing 52 minutes, and he scored 48 points. Pretty average. He's now going to be at 77. Uh, We've now got Paulo back this week as well. I'm much more comfortable selling him this week now that we've had that look. Uh, I know some people have said, oh, maybe I can try and hold him for the first buy. You're going to have to get pretty lucky. Uh, I tend to think that his 52 minutes on the weekend. is going to go down slightly. Uh, It might not go down too much, but, geez, it's hard to think that it's going to be more than that sort of 45 to 48 range, and that's going to be about 45 points a game. It's going to be possibly 100K below what he's priced at, so... That's going to be a tough hold because you're going to lose too much money. He's made about 250K already. You can't really afford to go, I'm going to burn 100K and just take 150K profit. I think you are better off selling this week. And uh, I'm going to be looking at selling him this week too. 550K, you can get some pretty good value for him at the moment. Makes total sense. Poor Adam Dewey, one of the other guys that I was happy to hold last week. scored 66 points in a beaten side. I thought that he did really well. Had a really good line break. He was starting to look pretty good in attack. And then all of a sudden he does his ACL. Yeah, it's a second ACL consecutive that he's done year on year. Um, third ACL, I believe, that he's done by the age of 24. Terrible news for Dewey. I feel really badly for him and someone that the Tigers couldn't afford to lose. But obviously, he's just got to cut bait with him. A uh, really popular trade should be, even though Schuster isn't in the 17, he may come into it. You're probably going to want Schuster at some point though. So uh, I myself have Schuster already in secondary forward. I'll possibly look at moving Schuster from secondary forward into five, eight. And that way you've got that choice of being able to look at a secondary forward instead. I think that's a really good option because at the moment, maybe you can't afford the right five, eight, or maybe you just don't want to rock two five, eights there and you are just happy to go for a cheapy as your secondary. So I'm going to be looking at that option for sure. Uh, But the guy that doesn't make any sense Number three on the list at the moment, Tom Trevojevic has been between 6 to 6.8% pretty much all day. It's pretty clear that it doesn't matter what happens, he's going to be sold by at least 5% of coaches, and I don't understand it. We've had these knee-jerk reactions with other guys. Nathan Cleary is one that comes straight to mind, and you can see what he's done the last few weeks. Turbo scored 26 points on the weekend. Uh, he had to get needled up at halftime. It was also against Penrith. It was also away. It was a tough game. Now, all the superstars are going to have tough games. I guess people are going, look, I want to go to a Walsh. I want to go to even a Dylan Edwards and chase those points from last week. It just looks like a massive mistake. At an 81 break-even, I don't even understand it because when people were selling guys like Cleary or Teddy, it was because he had 150, 200-point break-even, almost even. And you're going to make some money out of that at least. I don't understand the, the plan for these 6% of coaches at the moment because he's got a, a, a reasonable break-even that he's probably going to get close to hitting. He's not really going to drop a huge amount of cash. And, yeah, he's playing Melbourne this week, but it is at four pines. He has been contained by Melbourne pretty well in the past in saying that maybe it's a bad week this week, but you need to look past it. You really need to look ahead in Supercoach. And when you're looking ahead, After this week, he plays the West Tigers and the Gold Coast Titans at home. Uh, In fact, you know, in two weeks' time, they have three games at home in a row with the Titans, the Broncos, and the Sharks all at home. And people might say, well, the Broncos and Sharks are pretty tough games, Barnsley. Yeah, but after that, he's also got the Raiders and Newcastle Knights. So after this Melbourne Storm game, I would say that Manley's run really opens up. and, And I would really hate not to have him. Look. He, he'll probably be in the origin side. You'll probably miss out on that round 13 by game against Newcastle. Totally fine. Even just this Tigers game and Gold Coast Titans game after this week, you have to have him for those. Like They are prime captaincy games for Turbo. And out of his five games, he's scored 90 plus in three of them. And he scored 103 and 106 in two of them. So he's got two out of five tons. I think people are being way too hard on Tom Trevojevic. Uh I'll leave you with a number as well. 208. That is what he scored against the Gold Coast Titans as a high, and he has those in, those guys in a few weeks that he's playing. 208 points he has scored against the Gold Coast Titans before. His average, 112. Highest average out of any team in the competition. He averages against the Gold Coast Titans, 112 points. Do not trade Tom Tramoyevich. Massive mistake. Stefano Uticamanu fourth most traded out. Total sense. Uh, I'm going to skip over him. Wade Egan, injured people have made pretty good money out of him uh got some good scores alamoti i was quite surprised last week i must say that there was some people trying to say they wanted to hold alamoti they thought there was a good reason to he'd already made 200,000 and he's come out of the weekend with a poor score again he's not going to uh drop cash fast in big amounts but he's going to keep bleeding slowly at the moment you're down to 165k profit That'll be at 130K maybe after this week if he has another low score, 64 break even. He's not going to play that first by everyone. So I don't understand why people are holding on, holding on, holding on. We've got a lot of players that are scoring tries that are being able to make a lot of money. I don't think there's any need to really hold on to Alan Moody. So that makes a lot of sense as well. Ruben Garrick, uh, this one's a lot more controversial. So Ruben Garrick's out this week because of the head knock that he uh, obtained in the last game. Absolutely brutal for super coaches because Ruben Garrick has been one of the best center wings that you could have all year. Certainly, as far as pods go, he was the guy to start with in his center wing for round one. Has absolutely killed it. 70 points a game, and that includes his eight points last week. But that eight points last week means he's got to break heaven in the 130s. He's only going to be gone for this Melbourne game, though. And I've already spoken about the fact that he's then going to hit the Titans and the Tigers in back-to-back weeks. Sometimes I think uh, people rush to, to sell guys that are out one week when they're really going to regret it. And also, more importantly, probably look at the break-evens a little bit too hard. Like, when you've got guys like Garrick that can score a ton pretty easily, uh, it doesn't really matter if their break-even is around 130. Like, you're going to maybe drop twenty seven, twenty eight thousand, 28,000 and then be back on the up. It's it's not worth the trade sometimes. Even if he's going to drop fifty, sixty thousand. 60,000, it's not worth trading him out to ward him back in a couple of weeks. So I would be trying really hard to hold him myself. Um, I understand if people are going to trade him and say, look, I I don't want to trade him back in anytime soon. But I think you're going to regret that decision because as someone who doesn't own Ruben Garrick, I'm going to be targeting him after this week, possibly even trade him in for that Tigers game, even if he's going to break him into 100 still. Uh, I'll probably still trade him in because the points that you can get from a Ruben Garrick against the Tigers – and also the Titans the following week. And he's also a guy that's going to play that round 13 bye. This is something else that I think people are forgetting with some of their trades at the moment. I do it as well. Uh, you're panicking. You're trying to make sure that you're getting the most points you can for that week. You're looking very short-term. Supercoach is never a short-term game. You've got to look long-term. And long-term is also... Round 13 is only like six weeks away now. And that is the big buy period where you want your best 13 on the field to be able to make up a lot of ground in overall. Ruben Garrick will be one of the best options that round. Uh, He will also be a, a captaincy option as well in that round that you'll want. I don't think you can go without him. So if you're selling him, I reckon that you'll definitely be able to hold him and play someone else in that spot. Guys like Taruba have good matchups this week. You can play some of your cheapies. I don't reckon that anybody needs to trade Ruben Garrick this week, but he's going out of a lot of teams and he isn't playing. So, hard to get it, wouldn't do it. Josh had a car, makes sense, gone. Warbrick and Khan Pereira, two cheapies that looked similar, but two different tales with these guys going out this week. William Warbrick, first of all. Now, Walbrick just seems to really struggle when Jerome Hughes is there, and he did once again on the weekend. 16 points. Uh, I didn't play him, thankfully, so pretty happy about that. But without Jerome Hughes, he scored 88 and 58 points. With Jerome Hughes, 30, 36, 14, and 16. You know, two tries, and all those two tries have come with Jerome Hughes out. So I would definitely be selling him this week. Break even at 48 doesn't seem that bad, but he's just not going to get. Near it without a try, and it doesn't look like he's going to get it. You might get lucky. You could hold him. He's not a must sell, but he's certainly a good sell this week because you have to remember, in two weeks' time, Manly also has uh, Melbourne. Sorry, also has the buy, so the Storm will be on the buy in round nine. Now's an opportune time to sell because they've also got the buy in round thirteen in the big buy round. So he's not really going to help you. Now's the time to probably get your non real keeper storm players out of your side. Um, guys like Eli Katoa, I classify as a keeper. I'm going to hold on to him. Meany, easy out. Warbrick, easy out as well. Other than that, though, Khan Pereira rounds out the top 10. And I tell you what, Khan Pereira is a little bit different because he was super disappointing with a 16 on the weekend. Uh, and I don't know whether this is people just rage trading, but he's completely different kettle of fish to what Warbrick is because we've seen Khan Pereira go three weeks in a row, round two to four, where he scored a try, a double, and a double, and that's been 40, 65, and 117 points. I'd never play him again. I got burned on the weekend with the 16 points. But you know, playing the Broncos at home, then playing the Dolphins away, that's, it's not terrible couple of weeks for him. But that 117 is going to stay in his rolling average. If he scores a couple of tries the next two weeks, he's actually going to make a decent amount of cash with a break-even of five. You could be leaving forty, fifty thousand dollars 50000 on the table. And with all the other trade-outs, like I'd certainly trade a Warbrick over him. I'd certainly trade an Alamodi over him. I just don't think it makes too much sense because everyone's got so many guys to get out of the side now. Even Adam Dewey was still close to 20% ownership. Uh, you know, There's a lot of guys that you can trade out of your side not needing to trade somebody out with a five break-even. I think you want to avoid those single-figure break-evens from the cash cows as much as possible in going out of your side. So he doesn't make quite as much sense trading in. Nico Hines back this week against the Roosters. Total sense. I have seen some people say, maybe I'll wait a week uh, and I'll pay the premium on him. He's going to break even of zero. So even if he scores, you know, 50 points, he's still going to go up significantly. And you're going to be edging towards closer to a million dollars. I would just get him in right now. Because one of the other things that you need to remember too is you, you're you always going to have other fires to put out. And I think that we've seen that just the past week. The 11-day HIA stuff has really thrown a spanner in the works because you've got all these teams with, you know, Ruben Garrick ruled out because of it. Um, other guys have been ruled out because of it as well. If you end up with two of those guys this week in, in critical positions that you don't have any backup, like say it's your, your main hooker uh, and also you know, maybe your main halfback or your main 5'8", and you don't have a backup one, then you're going to have to trade in those spots. Now, if it's halfback, okay, cool, you can get in Nico Hines, but what if it's Harry Grant and you don't have a backup hooker? You're going to have to get a hooker in or cop, you know, a really low score. So I just think that if you've got the ability to get him in this week and you want him and you should then just getting straight in because next week, you don't know what fires you're going to have to put out. You don't know how difficult it's going to be to get Nico Hines in your side. And even though the Roosters are good, Nico Hines has got a really good floor. So, you know, even if he goes over for one try line break, that's going to set him up for an 80-plus score straight away. Sunny Luke, second most traded in player, 271,000. He's gone up about 37K. He looked really good again on the weekend, uh, ended up scoring 59 points. And the the key thing with him is at the moment, he's got a nine in his rolling average from that game that he got knocked out in round four against Parramatta. That's going to drop out after this week. So all of a sudden, his break-even is going to go from, you know, the low single digits at the moment, 17, to being a negative break-even pretty quickly. Uh, and, you know, if he goes another 57 this week, that's going to be a really good negative break-even where he's going to start making bulk cash. So if you need a downgrade this week, I think Sonny Luke's a pretty good one uh, because, again, that rolling average, it's going to come right around for him to have a negative next week. Cody Walker's a little bit harder. Uh, I was massive on Cody Walker last year and really burnt me. He's only in 9% of teams. One of the good things about Cody is he never ends up getting into too many teams, but he's just gone up 93,000 this week alone. And even with a zero break even, you know, he does have a penchant for going low scores. The last three weeks, so there's no denying, against Manly, Melbourne and Bulldogs, he's gone 80, 76 and 132. Is he back? Well, look, he might be. He is 34 years of age. I didn't expect him to go on a sustained run. He's doing it at the moment. I do expect it to drop off. He does have the Dolphins this week. You know, the Dolphins have been performing well, but a side like South could still put a lot of points on them. After that, it's Penrith, Broncos and Melbourne. It's really not the best few weeks there. And then after that, he does have the Tigers. Then Parramatta does play the Raiders, though, in round 13. So he's one of those buy period candidates. Uh, I guess people are probably looking at Cody Walker's last three weeks and thinking, well, you know, do I get him instead of a, a Dylan Brown? If you're looking at someone for the buy period, Cody Walker is just as likely to lose the money that you're going to make from him and be the same price as he is now when you go to sell him post round 13. So I would throw that out the window and just look squarely at who you want in round 13 or who you want the points for up until round 13. I would go Dylan Brown myself. Uh, I think that Dylan Brown's going to score better over that period, even though he hasn't been scoring better the last few weeks. And he's also someone that you'd be more comfortable keeping than what you were with Cody Walker. But Cody Walker is a pod. You know, can't deny how well he's been going. Zero break even and just killing it at the moment after that. Massive score on the weekend of 132. Jared Croker, number four. Super tough one to talk about. 279,000, looks like a decent downgrade at centre wing. Problem is, Xavier Savage is coming back in New South Wales Cup this week. As soon as Xavier Savage comes in, you'd expect that that back line gets shuffled. Chris goes from fullback back into the centres. Maybe Croker's out of the team. It's, it's fine to say or build this narrative that they're going to want to get him to those 300 games. And I'm sure they probably do, but the Raiders really need to win games. And you know what? They didn't care about it earlier in the year about his 300 games. And they didn't care about it last year when they dropped him either. Uh, He's had plenty of games playing New South Wales cup. I would think that his job security is very shaky. Now he scored 40 points on the weekend. Half of that was in goals. And that's one of his values because he's not going to get points any other way unless he gets his goals in. The Raiders do play the Dragons and the Dolphins and the Bulldogs the next three weeks. They also play round 13. So Raiders players are about to have quite a bit of value over this stretch. So I really like looking at the Raiders players and I'm doing that myself at the moment. The problem with Croker is that he's played the one game and Savage will be back in first grade, if not next week and certainly the week after. And there's a good chance that Croker's dropped. So I would try and Search for some other ways to free up cash, even if you have to make things a two-week plan to get a certain player rather than a one-week plan. Cameron Munster, number five. Really interesting thing with Cameron Munster is that this week he's been named a fullback, uh, but he also had a great game against the Roosters on the weekend where the Melbourne Storm absolutely carved up. 114 points. He's now knock on less than 65 points in his four games, 65, 78, 74, 114. I think coming into 2023 season, people were looking at Dylan Brown as a possible alternative uh, as also someone who might be better than Cameron Munster at six might be able to take the crown as a number one, six by the end of the year. Put that to bed right now. Munster's going to be the number one, six at the end of the year. No question for me. Manly in the Warriors the next two weeks really like his matchups. He scored a try for a few weeks in a row here. There is also very few teams that he doesn't have a ton against. Manly, he certainly has tons against. And the big news is that he's going to play fullback this time around. So playing at fullback, um, I know that a lot of people have sort of licked their lips at that before. His stats are relatively the same. Can look at that glass half full. He's he's going to be putting up the great scores he has been putting up from fullback as well. Uh, but against Manly and the Warriors, uh, he certainly has got some chance to maybe continue the try scoring from fullback, which I think is important. Love him as a buy, even if he's at six. I think that the key thing, though, that you have to consider is um, that's in a vacuum. Just who do you like better, Barnsley? I like Munster better. If I'm playing the buys, who do you like better? I like Dylan Brown better then. Because if you really want to hit the buys, he's got round nine that he's going to buy. He's got round 13. Dylan Brown is going to play that round 13 buy. So it's really team dependent, and it's really dependent on how many trades that you have, what your plan is, you know, are you going to go into round 13 and hit the buy hard but not care about the six? And in which case, you can carry Munster through Origin. Are you going to want to trade Munster through Origin anyway, at which point you're only going to get a month of games out of him? So with the two buys in there, maybe it's not worth getting him in and it's better off just conserving and going Dylan Brown. I like Munster better. If you want to hit the buys hard and you want to play six in those buys rather than burning the trades, If you burn a lot of them, it might be better to go Dylan Brown. But those are certainly the two that people should be considering, I reckon, from Dewey. Moving along, Tom Gilbert, 3% trading in at the moment. He's gone up 20K this week. Big Tom has a 28 break even. He's gone pretty solid, but not spectacular. Up until last week, he had three out of his five scores in the 40s. And that's also a case of... Uh, his minutes being sort of between 50 and 65 up until the last two weeks where he's played 80 and 72 minutes. Now, it looks great on the weekend where he played his old club, got a try and scored 106 points. The week before against, say, George Illawarra, he scored 45 points in 80 minutes, and that's not very good at all, especially for a middle forward. So I kind of don't understand everyone jumping on Tom Gilbert because he's 575,000. It's not particularly cheap. He's going to play that round 13 game against, St George Illawarra, um, I would rather go elsewhere if I was going to do it. And I reckon that you either go up or you go down in price. Uh, there's some cheaper guys that are almost 100K cheaper that play that round 13 big buy. Uh, there's also, obviously, the premium guys. You can even go for 80K more and get a Joe Tapani in who's going to play that buy and, you know, probably be a keeper for the rest of the year. Oh, I just I don't particularly love the, the Gilbert love that he's getting this week. Apologize about my voice again, too. Huge cold the last week. It's absolutely killing me, but I'll press on. Charles Nickel Clockstad. Uh, I didn't play him on the weekend, probably should have been in the Clint Eastwood segment. He is getting purchased again. Minus 22 break even. It's probably just low enough where you could do a repurchase. Um, what I will say at 460,000 is a bit of caution. 92 points is great on the weekend that he's going to have through his rolling average. It's not going to be 150 points series rolling average like a Dylan Edwards, though. So it, it will get eaten up pretty quickly. Cowboys, Melbourne, Roosters, Penrith. That should be enough to say you should be pretty concerned. He has played some good games this year, 70, 74, and 92. He's got a 13-injury game against the Roosters, but that was 13 points after 53 minutes he wasn't looking like he was going to have a big score. And he's also got 48 points against the Bulldogs. Doesn't score badly. He's actually had a really good base this year, which has been nice to see. The problem is that despite that good base, uh, he needs that clutch attack at his price point at 460k, And he's only got the one try this year in round one. Had the line break try assist on the weekend, which helped him out as well. It's uh, it's just too tough a draw for me. I'd actually look elsewhere at that price because going against the Cowboys, the Storm, the Roosters, and Pedrith the next month, bit rough, especially with his 460k price point. I just think that you could probably go elsewhere and do a downgrade and upgrade somewhere else. Cleary, 3% of coaches trading him in. Everybody trading Nathan Cleary. There should be heaps more. He's only owned by 49% of teams. He should be owned by as close to 100% of teams as what are actually paying attention. So probably 80% of teams. Everybody should be getting in Cleary this week. Asako is a peculiar one because he's... Like when we do these segments at the end of the year... Jermaine Sako is going to certainly be that one where I say he's the guy that got away. He was a mistake. He was a guy we didn't identify as being able to make a huge amount of cash because he's got a minus 22 break even as well, uh, like Nickel Clockstar. But he's already made 270,000, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, he's coming off 118 and 108 points. And he's now scored 100 plus three out of his first six games. And 80 plus four out of his six games is nothing lower than a 44. The goal kicking and the try scoring has been insane for him. Play South Sydney this week. Now, I know everybody keeps saying, oh, the Dolphins bubble's going to burst. They're going to start to lose and and yada, yada, yada. I reckon it's definitely happening this weekend. Souths look absolutely bread hot at the moment. It's a great game for South Sydney. And I just think that they're going to have some tough games, the Dolphins. And this is going to be one of them. The week after, they got the Gold Coast Titans, sure. Great game. Canberra Raiders, yeah, not bad. Then they hit the Sharks in the Storm, and then they do have the Round 13 buy. By the time you get to that Round 13 buy with someone like Osako, he's going to bleed money, and he's going to bleed the money, most of the money that you've probably made off him if you're buying him right now. If you bought him in the last month, if you've started with him, well done, you've done fantastic. You can just keep holding him even at 652000 if you're buying him right now at six hundred fifty-two thousand, buy someone else with a low break-even because you're going to make more money out of that, and it's just going to be far less investment that you can put money elsewhere, which is the most important thing. Six hundred fifty-two thousand, you know, you could be buying a Brian Toto this week, you could be buying a Greg Marzio for the same price, you could be buying a, a you know a Holmes that just came off a, a, a almost hundred-point game this last week. That You could get basically any gun that you wanted in the center wing. It's not going to be a quick 100K that you get from Jermaine Asako. So I don't even get the quick turnaround. And by the time you get to that buy, you're going to lose cash. So don't love it. Uh, Moving right along, talking about trades that I don't love. People trading in the Hammer. Went great on the weekend, 120 points. That boat has sailed for the Hammer. He has a break even of nine. He is playing the Rabbits. He has been going pretty well to only have a low score of 43. He's also the first player in history of a new club to go the first six games, scoring a try in every single game. That is not going to continue. He's going to have a game where he doesn't score a try. I am going to bet that he is going to be this week. And it could be a 35-point score. And if it's a 35-point score, that's not very much over a break, even a nine. The 120 will stay in there, but priced at already 550,000, you'll get some cash the following week. But you might find out that you get 40 to 50k, and then it drags out a little bit. and He's got a reasonably high break even again. I just don't see the value in doing it at all, and I don't still see the confidence in playing him every single week going forward either. So I don't. I don't get Asako. I don't get Hammer. They were great buyers previously and certainly mistakes if you missed out on one of them, like I did with Asako, not a buy at all. Let's go for the machine gun at round seven teams, especially focusing on the C and VC options and team changes. Uh, Dolphins versus Rabbits, first up. Do I need to say anything else other than Latrell? Latrell Mitchell this week, I would be all over if I owned him. I, I loved it last week, and as a VC in the very first game, which is going to make it really easy to loop, it's fantastic, especially if you uh, wait for your trades. If you're a commando you're a owner, because what you might find, you know, there's a lot of teams who have been playing Big Stefano as their second front row forward, and you're going to yourself. I have to upgrade him this week, and you know I'm someone who I want to upgrade my second front row forward spot this week. But the beauty of uh, having an early VC, if it works, and the rest of your team's reasonably solid is that you can throw Stefano in this week as someone who's not playing because he's on the buy and just use him as a loop after Latrell's 150 you'd hope know, for. All of a sudden, big Stefano is actually useful and you don't have to trade him this week and you can make other trades for the round. If Latrell doesn't go well, then you know just do your trade still. That's fine. So yeah, if you're a Latrell owner, I can't see how you don't put the VC on him this week, 146 points last week. And... Despite the tough season that he's had so far, he's still scoring 75 a game. Could be a big one against the Dolphins. Other than that, Campbell Graham I saw was a bit of a smoky. In one of my head-to-head comps, I was really surprised that somebody had the VC on Campbell Graham. That was really smart by that player because absolutely no one was going to captain Campbell Graham. Very few people would have ended up putting the VC on him and he absolutely carved up. He had 145 points himself. Dolphins could be pretty susceptible out wide and, you know, someone like Campbell Graham could easily replicate and score a double. Uh, He scored a double against the Sharks in round one. That was 110 points. We all know the good thing about Campbell Graham is because his base, raw base is 39 points and his base, base attack is close to 65. If he scores two tries, he's going hundreds and it can often be 110, 120 points just for a double he can easily score a double this week against the Dolphins. So he's a very uh, pod one that you could have a look at. Moving right along, Sharky's V Roosters. Interesting uh, note here, with Toby Rudolph out three months, they've opted to start Royce Hunt in the number eight jersey. Hunt has not been getting big minutes at all, so he might be a bit of a watch with a 56 break even at 330-odd K. Uh, he could get below 300 K and then start to be a bit Interesting. Uh, also debuting young Thomas Hazleton, young prop off the bench. So that's going to be good to watch too. On the Rooster side of things, we've obviously got James Tedesco back. Uh, we've also got Matt Lodge back on the bench too. And Joey Maru moving to the centres, which means Drew Hutchison is on the bench, which means the team is a hell of a lot better with Hutchison on the bench. Uh, and Terman's out of the 17, which is also really good news for uh, Brandon Smith owners that held on because... Uh, I dare say that Hutch might end up going to nine, but it's probably only going to be for 15 minutes or something. So Brandon Smith should get bulk minutes, uh, more so than what he would when Turpin is on there, perhaps. Big news in this one, though, is obviously the return of Tedesco. Now, I'm a big Teddy fan, not a big enough Teddy fan to look at the sea or anything on him versus Sharks. Sharks away game looks pretty tough, having said that. Owning James Tedesco. Like if you've held him, definitely don't sell him this way. But I said two weeks ago, you know, the silver lining with him getting knocked out was that he was going to come in and be really low owned this round. And we're coming in and he's in 10% of teams. He is almost pod territory. He's right on the cusp. You could even call him a pod at 10%. Pod James Tedesco is absolutely huge. So whilst I'm not going to be him, and I certainly think C is too dangerous with him coming back, this week, uh, if you wanted a pod move, you know I mentioned Campbell Graham at five percent ownership, James Tedesco at ten percent ownership. You'll rarely ever get. So, you know, if you want to go for a guy that can go big as your VC, he might be one to consider as well. But just owning him, you know, I, I reckon he's a fantastic uh, one to hold on, held on to, and I'm looking forward to this week with him. As far as a sit play. In these ones, it's going to be an interesting one. I think that oh, I'm going to play everybody in these ones, but I should say in that Dolphins one, I'd actually be pretty worried. I think you could be pretty astute by sitting guys like Hammer, um, despite how well they've been going. I don't think anyone will, but there's a chance that that one's going to be a carver. The Sharks-Roosters game should be a pretty good one. Seagulls versus Melbourne. Obviously, Tommy is normally the big one, the big one to look at the captaincy against. Only a couple of teams that Tommy hasn't scored 100 points against before and Melbourne Storm is one of them. He's also had those needles in the back last week with his back spasms. I'd be playing him, obviously, 100%. You've always got to play Tavrovic, but there is no way that I'd go near him with the VC or the C option. On the Storm side, though, if you have a look at what Dylan Edwards did last week at fullback, you have to think that Karen Munster's a chance for a ton this week. I would go as far to say it could even put the, the C on him because Cameron Munster, remember, has not gone lower than 65 this this year so far. And from fullback, um, I'd be very surprised if he's in a 70-plus minimum type of scorer. But he's obviously got the upside as well. I do expect Manly to bounce back in this one. I don't think that they're going to be uh, that easy after last week. Last week, they got trounced and embarrassed by Penrith, despite Melbourne playing a lot better, playing away at four pines at Manly. Uh, I expect Manly to to really step up, even if they lose this one. But I'm playing all of my Storm players with huge confidence, particularly uh, Katoa. I was really quite critical of people selling him a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to maintain that. Katoa is going to start in my team every single week at the moment. He's just going too well. He's still maintained a 70 average, and he's got a lower 45 and only two scores that are below 64 out of his six games so far. He's got a base of forty-eight points. We are at a point now where six rounds in, six games of data is a lot of data, and you can base, you know, a fair chunk of the season off that. When you're looking at base stats, forty-eight base for an edge back rower is exceptional. And if he maintains that, he'll have one of the best raw bases of the edge back rowers that you can have. So his floor is fantastic because at the moment his floor is easily 50s, and most of the time it should be 60s. And then he's got his uh, line breaks and try potential on top of that. He's got the line breaks this year, but he still hasn't scored a try. He's actually had two disallowed, I believe. So he's going to score a try in the next couple of weeks, I reckon. This week, Harry Grant is another one that's sort of fallen off as far as popularity goes. Uh, I do think that Manley's middle can often be a little bit susceptible. Um, But, you know, that's... That's going to be a little bit of a shot in the dark one where I don't think many are going to go, Harry, because the last three weeks he's gone 44, 81, and 65. I think people have been put off a little bit, particularly last week. There was a reasonable percentage of captain him and only got 65 points. Uh, He was in the top five most captain from memory. He could be an option this week as well. What's going to happen with Josh Schuster? Well, look, there's still a decent chance that he comes in. He is in Jersey 21. Um, Would you still go down to him? to free up cash. Look, he's played two games. His next game, he's still got a negative break even. The next game, he steps on the park, he's going to make money. So if you are struggling for a downgrade, I much prefer going a Schuster than, say, someone like a Jared Croker, uh, some of these other guys that you could be downgrading to because there's no real downgrade that's going to make money this week. But at least you know if Schuster plays, he will make money this week. Warriors vs Cowboys. This one's at Mount Smart Stadium. Uh, Interesting that Dylan Walker's come in to play six. First game that he hasn't started from the bench uh, for draft players. That could be really handy if you're struggling for a six this week, uh, especially if you owned Adam Dewey. You're looking for a replacement six. There's hardly anything on waiver-wise in drafts for the halves a lot of the time, and six especially, because it's a bit of a graveyard. Dylan Walker is a spot play this week. Pretty good run for draft players, uh, but for classic players, it's, it's one of those things where you've got the Warriors who are favourites to win this game because it's at Mount Smart, but I just tend to think that the Cowboys, with Scott Drinkwater back last week, looked a lot better, uh, and I think they're going to get better and better. They've got Jeremiah Nani returning this week as well, and they've also got Talangi coming in for Brendan Elliott. And I'm sorry, Brendan Elliott, but I thought you were awful last week, and that's a huge boost getting Talangi back in. So all of a sudden, the Cowboys are looking just about full strength—not um, quite, but but almost there. So I really like the cows in this one. Um, I would love to have Valentine Holmes in this one after his 88 points last week. And Scott Drinkwater had a couple of tries this last week and looked really good. Any captaincy or vice captaincy options? I think that it's pretty risky. You could roll the dice with Val Holmes. He has been really solid at 60 pluses and had the 88 points last week. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes over for another try this week uh, and gets things rolling again. 88 points last week. I reckon he could replicate that or come pretty close to it. So as a bit of a dark horse option, if you don't have any of the other guys or you don't want to do it, then certainly Val Holmes probably in this one, I reckon could score pretty well. Val's fourth highest score ever is V the Warriors, 118 points. Doesn't have a lot of tons, Val, uh, but, you know, the Warriors, one of his better ones and one of his better averages as well, close to 60 points a game. Uh, And that might sound low, but when you have a look at some of his averages, uh, he used to average quite low when he was a winger, so that's why I actually to tipping the Cowboys for this one. I reckon they're a great bet as the outsiders at around a dollar ninety-five, two dollars. Knights and the Panthers talk about teams that are being playing above themselves. The Newcastle Knights are going phenomenal. Lockie Miller and Greg Marzio are two of the best centre wing players to own in Supercoach. They're both absolutely killing it. One guy that hasn't gotten much love though is uh, Dom Young. Like we mentioned last week, he scored um, four tries and scored 148 points. He's still got a minus six break even at 640k, and he's also scored a try last week for 59 points, uh, which isn't too shabby. He's now got scores of 89, 148, 59 when he scored points. Obviously, some real low ones, though, as well. Against the Panthers this week, yeah, pretty tough, Um, and then they do hit the Cowboys away, and then Parramatta away at Combank Stadium. So it is a really rough few weeks, for the Newcastle Knights. So that was one of the reasons why I was really big on buying Greg Marsview last week. If you're looking at guys um, like Lockie Miller at the moment, who are really peak price at almost 750K, it's not the three games to pick them up for. They got the round 10 buy. Uh, I'd be targeting them for, for that period after that, for round 11 onwards, and trying to look at them for them. But the big news out of the Knights camp is obviously uh, young Brayley has ruptured his ACL for the second time. He's also ruptured his Achilles in the last three years as well. So that's three season ending injuries he's had in the last four years. Absolutely brutal for the young man. Hopefully he returns uh, bigger and better next year. Panthers have been battling away at the start of the season, but the last couple of weeks they've put on a lot of points and it's coincided clearly putting up hundreds. I fear for Newcastle's safety this week. I think that the Panthers are rolling hot, and if they can absolutely blitz Manly like they did last weekend, I don't care that they're playing away at Newcastle. Nathan Cleary is the captain candidate of the week by a mile. There's no one near him as far as I'm concerned. Cleary against Newcastle previously has carved them up. 186 points is his high against them. 95 is his average against Newcastle. That's his highest average out of any team as far as high point scoring. He only actually has a couple of scores that are higher in his career. Loves playing Newcastle. Understand that Newcastle are playing a lot better than what we expected, but the Panthers are playing a lot better than what they were before. I love Cleary this week as captain. I'm going to be really surprised if he's not 30% captained. Um, it could be a really high one. It's one of those weeks where I know a lot of people like to say, oh, look, you know, 25 know, 30% captain. I'd rather go with somebody else that, that can match him, that can outscore him, um, try and mitigate the risk uh, and sort of get a leg. I think that it's also one of those things, though, that you can be really far behind if you miss out on a big score like I did last week with his 158 as captain. He could definitely do it again this week. So I'm, I'm just going to stick with the crowd this week and go in Nathan Cleary for sure. Interesting personnel move. Zach Hosking retains the twelve jersey, but Liam Martin and Luke Garner are in jersey twenty and twenty-one. It's hard because Hosking has played really well when he's gotten to start and plays eighty minutes, which he has been. But this week, I expect you know Liam Martin and Luke Garner. If they both come in, then all of a sudden. Hoskin could be on the bench an hour before kickoff or he's not on the bench and you play him and yeah, Garner or Martin come on for him on that edge and he only plays 55 minutes and that could kill him as well. So he's a really tough play because I think at this point a lot of teams have enough good players to choose from. Uh, so he might be somebody that's. I think it's going to be a bit of a pod play to bench. But if if Martin and Garner come into the side on the bench, then I would actually consider benching him. Um, Having said that, if, if Panthers carve up, maybe 55 minutes is all he needs to be able to score a try and, and get his 65-plus points again. Uh, but certainly Taruva, I'm going to be playing. Uh, I'm expecting that he gets another try this week. He's been a bit starved of those this year. Brian Toto, though, needs to be mentioned. Um, if you're talking about guys that are surging at the moment, like if you're going to pay 650K for someone like uh, a Brian Tottenham less money. He's just got 112 points with one try against Manly on the weekend. Uh, he's only scored two tries for the year so far. He's still got a raw base of 38. He's still got a base base attack of 60. Uh, I'd be really surprised if he doesn't get a try against the Newcastle Knights. And if he does, he's looking at 90-plus. So that's a great play. You know, if you want to get in a center wing and you don't care about that buy coming up in round 13, Newcastle, Souths, Tigers, Warriors. Three out of the next four, fantastic plays for someone like Brian Toyo. Much rather him over trying to grab some cash for the Sarko. Moving right along, we've got the Titans and the Broncos. Uh, Broncos got their first loss of the season last week against the Raiders, so it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. I think the great news is that Reese Walsh still ended up scoring really well. 86 points in the losing side. It is one of those all-time runs for him. He is now gone... No less than 84 points and has a range of 84 to 105 in his five games that he has been in this year for the Brisbane Broncos. 94 average. Now, we keep saying it can't keep up, but against the Titans this week, we spoke about some dark horse captaincy or vice-captaincy options later in the round, so you probably need to captain at this point. He's a really good captaincy choice for this week. Uh, I could definitely see him getting a 100-plus score this week against the Titans, the Titans can let in a huge amount of points. It's still going to be in Queensland, even though they're away. It's down the road. I reckon that uh, Walsh, you know, it, even if he has a bad game at the moment, he's lows 84, and I can't see that changing against the Gold Coast Titans. Broncos' run after this week gets pretty tough. I wouldn't be getting Reese Walsh in this week, uh, but for the owners, this is the last week probably in a good six weeks that you can probably captain him and and still guarantee just about a great score. I really like him this week. I'm really scared as a non-owner because I've got Turbo and Teddy there. Really worried about myself not having Reese Walsh. Uh, David Fafina I'm going to highlight as well in this one. Uh, I actually liked him as a captaincy option last week. I tell you what, he had two try assists, line break assists, uh, two line break tries. All of them just got away from him. He could have had a 140-point score last week. Ended up scoring 76 points with 52 in raw base so. He's scoring so well that he's absolutely killing my voice. It's almost gone, but we're almost at the end of the podcast. Uh, Fafita playing his old club, the Brisbane Broncos. uh, He doesn't have very many games against the Brisbane Broncos to come from. He has played four against them and averaged 79 points a game. And that's his second best average out of any team in the NRL. He's also got a top score of them of 105. I think this is the week he gets his try. Uh, He's obviously a try scoring second rower, and he's now gone six weeks without a try. So round seven, this looks like as good a time as any for him to grab a try. Bronco's edge is always a bit susceptible to giving up some points. Moving right along, Canberra Raiders versus, say, George Laura Dragons. Now, I mentioned that the Raiders are starting to become interesting again, um, and that's because they're doing a few interesting things. Um, certainly the captaincy advice, captaincy options are not going to be in this game. But in saying that, when you have a look at their draw now, the Raiders are someone who plays round 13 with the big buy. They do have a buy next week, so certainly you've got to account for that. But Dragons, then from round nine, Dolphins, Dogs, para Manly, Souths in the buy round that South will be missing a heap of players for. Really important note too that four out of the next five games are all going to be at GIO in Canberra. So that is huge playing four of the next five at home for them. Uh, one guy I'm going to mention, Corey Horsburgh played 71 minutes last week. 56, all, almost all in base, uh, but he's named again to start at 13 again. And he's someone who is a front row forward, second row forward duel. 488,000. He might be 460,000 by the time we get past next week's buy. Uh, and at that point, he starts to become a really interesting option because Ricky Stewart even came out in the paper And talked about Horsborough as an origin boulder. He wants him to play origin. He thinks he deserves it. He's sung his praises. Now, if he's going to go for a couple of weeks in a row as a starting 13 playing big minutes and Ricky Stewart's going to go out in the media and say that he should be playing origin, I reckon that's enough to say that Stewart's backing him uh, and I don't think that he's going to end up benching him to play 35 minutes again or anything like that. Uh, I reckon Horses basically got that locked down in draft if he's available oh my God, run and grab him right now. I tried last week. He got snapped up in both my draft leagues. But even in classic, you know, around that 450K mark for a front rower that can be dual that you can throw around and he's going to play around 13. Speaking about upside plays, we are getting to the point where Hudson Young is becoming value, 617,000. He could be below 600,000 after this week. He's now gone four weeks in a row, scoring pretty well, 66, 79, 55 and 60. Uh, and he's also starting to score some tries as well. Had three offloads last week too, with the base attack uh, as a pod, a couple percent ownership. This could be his run. We've seen it before. Unfortunately, they got the buy the next week. But through that period of the big buy around thirteen, from round nine, I mentioned Dolphins, Dogs, Eels, Manly, and Souths in the buy round. After that big buy around thirteen, Canberra hits the Tigers and also the Warriors. Huge amount of home games in this run as well. So someone like Hudson Young could be a really big pod player if you're after a bit of a strike second rower. Uh, Jack Whiten obviously returns this week, and that's going to help them immensely. But captaincy, vice-captaincy options, probably not too many to look at for the moment. So we are finishing on the Eels and the Bulldogs. Look, the Eels didn't score as well as what we hoped last week, but they still had their big scorers. Certainly Mitchell Moses made the most of it, scoring 103 points and got his tonne. He's really hard to get in, obviously. Um, someone like Sevo, who I mentioned, I was sort of hoping over a few-week period he could score sort of 75-point average. Scored 74 points for two tries on the weekend. He loves playing the Bulldogs, Sivo. I don't think you can buy him with huge confidence, but if you're happy to you know take a punt for someone who's going to play in round 13, he's someone who's had big games against the Dogs in the past, and at 530,000, He's a cheap option to all these other guys that are sort of around that 650 to 700K mark that maybe you can't afford right now or maybe like Ruben Garrick are going to be dropping in value for around 13 by cover. So thinking of guys that you probably can't buy, Clint Gutherson. <laughs> He's gone 71 and 74 the last two weeks with two tries back-to-back weeks. He loves playing the Dogs too. Uh, he scored 140 points against them previously. That's his third best score of all time was against the Bulldogs. And that was... An immense game where he scored a double and also had like three line break try tri-assists. Absolutely carved up. It might have been a hat-trick. It was one of the best games I've ever seen Clint Gutherson play the year before last. Uh, absolute masterclass. Could be on again this week. Big news on the personnel front. Tamita Penga Jr. is back though. That's going to help the Bulldogs immensely. Um, certainly they've been pretty short on forward So it's going to be interesting to see what role he plays. He's starting front row forward already. So he's a big watch at just over 500K. Obviously, need to see how his hand he's going to hold up. He could go real balls to the wall and double down. I know a lot of people went Dylan Brown captain last week as a pot option. Didn't work out great. You know, 63 points against the Tigers. Dylan Brown hasn't scored a score to try all year, and that's very un-Dylan Brown-like, especially with the amount of times that he actually runs the ball. Against the Bulldogs, when you're talking career highs. His career high is the Bulldogs, 134 points, most he's ever scored against anybody. And he did that against the Bulldogs with a double. I really like him this week um, at home playing the Dogs. Uh, It could be a lot closer than people think, but I think it'll be high scoring. might be one of those sort of 34 to 24 type of games, uh, which could be good for the Dogs players as well. I think you have to have a piece of Cleary. Like, if you're, you've at least got to have the VC on Cleary. But if Cleary doesn't fire and you're desperate in your head-to-heads, uh, at the end of the week, if you need someone to throw in, probably Dylan Brown would be my pick. Uh, I think that he can definitely score a try this week. And at $3.10 odds, I reckon that's a fantastic pet as well on the betting agencies at the moment. That is the podcast, everyone. I apologize once again for my terrible voice. It has been a real rough week battling all the different flu symptoms known to man. Um, Throat is gone, but I wanted to make sure I got a podcast out. I'm recording it at like midnight to try and find some time to do it in between everything else. Um, That's why it's a solo one. I will be better though for the Talking Footy podcast by the end of the week. But if you're downloading or streaming, make sure you subscribe as well. And you can find us everywhere, SoundCloud, Amazon iTunes, Spotify, we're everywhere. Also on Twitter to follow us, NRL underscore SC, underscore all stars. And good luck with your teams this week. Good luck with your super coach decisions. There are a lot of them to make. Can't wait to talk about them all again. When I'm feeling better, when I'm well, and I've got a guest on next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.